0: My name is Eric. Are you ready for me? Are you ready for another episode of the craziness that lives inside my head? Welcome to the show. This episode is part three. Of my retirement, I'm you know I'm retired and I'm reminiscing of all the jobs I had in my life. I worked. I started working I was thirteen, right I'm retiring at 71 and I'm up to job I did uh, we went up to job 14. that was uh, a car. that was my 14th job. And now we're going to continue. Because in the middle of working with Hearst rent car they went on strike. Remember, they went on strike. I, I was a door-to-door salesman, life insurance. They let me go because I wasn't making any money for them. I wasn't bringing any revenue. Other things happened in my life. If you, re, if you heard any of my podcasts, I had a very... Ex- Bad experience in 1979. And I ran off to San Francisco. Didn't make it in San Francisco. Now mind you. I went to San Francisco. Because there's a Hearst Rent-A-Car in San Francisco. And I was told by the Rent-A-Car. Rent, Rent-A-Car in New York. That they would contact the manager in San Francisco. And I could work there. That did happen. Unfortunately. I'm not sure. See, now my, my memory's gone, but I don't understand. I don't, forgot what happened. Um, something happened. I had to, I didn't have the qualification. I had to do something. And um, they didn't hire me, and that's a long story. And I was living on the piers. The dock of the bay, remember? Living on the dock of the bay. Well, that was me. So anyway, I returned back my mom. Love mom. Sent me a plane ticket to get my butt back to New York City. Came back to New York City, that's another long story. Wound up living with my dad in Spanish Hardham, and I got my job back at Hertz a Car. So there I was, working again, because my father wasn't going to let me stay with him without a job. And I was working back at uh to Rent a Car. Now, I got fired twice at Hurst Winnicott. Remember how many times they're getting fired? Well, Hurst Winnicott fired me twice. The first time I got fired, um, it was, I didn't get along with the shop steward. I told you, Hurst was a shop steward, uh, a union shop. Everybody was unionized. That's when they went on strike in 79. Well, I'm back in 79. I came back um, March of 1979, they were back to, they, uh, everybody went back to work, blah, blah, blah. So I went back to work, and uh, I didn't get along with the shop steward. And being I didn't get along with the shop steward, he accused me of drinking, of being drunk. I said, I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. He said, well, you can't drive. You can't drive. You can't work tonight because you're drunk. I'm not drunk. He went and told the manager, the the, uh, the dispatcher not to let me work, and he didn't. And I said to the dispatcher, I said, I'm not drunk. I said, if you think I'm drunk, I'll take a a a, a drunk, t- t- uh, what do you call that, the uh, the alcohol thing, the breath the breath- breathalyzer? And because we was only around the corner from the hospital. He said, no, 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 you can't work. So, I, so he said, I couldn't work. So what happened was, I refused something, and I got fired. And he fired me for being drunk. I got fired for being drunk. I think he fired me because I cursed him out. I'm, not, I'm quite sure I did curse him out. Boy, you get a little licking on me, this mouth just goes, oh, oh, oh. So I probably did curse him out. So I got fired. So I went to apply for unemployment, and I couldn't get my unemployment because I got fired. So I had to go to what you call it, the... um. When you, when you, uh, a hearing, but they told me to go to the union, uh, the labor board. Unemployment said go to the labor board when I explained my story the way I explained to you. So I went to the labor board, they had a, uh, a hearing with the judge, and I explained to the judge, and the manager who fired me was there, and the shop steward was there. That wasn't the same, it was a different shop steward, by the way, who was with me at the hearing and uh the judge asked the manager why did you fire eric and the manager said because the shop steward told me to and i, I was shocked that he even was <laughs> say that he was a young kid he was young he had to be in his 20s he was a manager in his 20s he said the shop the shop steward told me to and the judge was like what and he looked at the shop wasn't the shop the, the shop steward that was with me it was a different shop steward he said, "You can't, you, you in the union. You're not supposed to get your men fired." He goes, "If this man is not back on the job within seventy-two hours, I'm finding the the uh the union ten thousand dollars a day until he get his job back." And that's how I got my job back. at hurt you in the car. Everything, how they say, yada 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 Um, and this now we're talking about close to, was it October? I came back in March. Okay, now it's October 1979. I'm still, work, still with my dad, still working at Hertz. And, uh, I was drunk and the guys that was in the car with me were transporters. So they transported us to Newark Airport to pick up cars to bring back to the city. And they said, you can't work are You're too drunk. You, you're too high. I wouldn't get in the car. You shouldn't do this. You, you're going to have an accident. This Tell them that you're sick. So what I did when I got to Newark Airport, I got on the phone a different manager, an, an older manager, and I said, "Well, I'm not feeling well." He said, "What do you mean not feeling well? We got it was it was a Friday night. Friday nights is very busy at Hertz. You we got we got customers waiting for cars. Get your butt in here with our car. Bring a car in here." I said, "I can't. I can't drive. I'm not feeling well." Well, you're fired. Took me to. Took me back to the base in New York City and he said and he said, What do you mean you can't do it? There's nothing wrong with you. no you're fired. We meet, we, we, it was like, we got customers waiting for cars. You're fired. I said, okay. Went to collect my unemployment. And we had to have them another hearing, because they wouldn't give my unemployment. They said that I was I was, was it I wasn't sick. I was drunk, you know. Anyway, so so I got a phone call waiting for the hearing. I got a phone call from the president of the union. He said, "Oh, look, it was a misunderstanding. Go back to work." He kept saying, "Go back to work." I said, "No, I'm not going back to work. I want my unemployment." So he said, "No, what did to do? Come see me." And I said, "No, I want my plus. So I called the unemployment. They gave me my unemployment." Because what happened was you can't fire somebody because they're sick. And they couldn't prove that I wasn't sick. Because the thing, they asked they asked the guy, the the manager, did he send me to the hospital? Did I go to the emergency room? Did I do that? He said no. He just fired me on the spot because I was sick. And they gave me my unemployment. I had a choice. I could either go back to work or get my unemployment. I went down, signed for my check, and that was it. I was unemployed. I was unemployed. Uh, stay with. 1980 came. I stood with my dad in 1980. Giving him rent money, but I was unemployed. And then I had a, a, a... Well... I got kicked out of my dad's house. Why did you kick out of your dad's house? Because I wanted to bring boys in to have sex. Ha! <laughs> ha! Not in my house! So he kicked me out. So I just got a rooming house. A room, a room rather. A room in uh, in Sugar Hill. Harlem, He lived in Spanish Harlem, so just further uptown on the, further uptown on the west side, Sugar Hill Got my, my room. if I'm not mistaken. I think that damn room was like uh, about a hundred dollars a I think it was a, no, it was 75 dollars a week. I paid was well, 75 dollars a week for a room. And being that now I didn't have a job, even though I was unemployed and unemployment didn't don't last that long. I think it was 26 weeks. I had to do something, I had to find a job. So uh, my sister said, "Well, why don't you just go to manpower and they'll train you for something? At least you'll be in manpower. And by the time they finish training you, you know you get a job before your unemployment runs out." So I went to manpower. They trained me. They gave me clerical training some other kind of training. And they had a contract with the American Stock Exchange. To American Stock Exchange was going to supply. uh, They're going to supply American Stock Exchange. With uh, employers, employees that could do clinical jobs. And that's how I got into the American Stock Exchange. I went there for um, an interview. They they, they hired me. And, and you want to hear something funny. The interesting thing, since we talk about retirement. I was 28 years old. Human resources. That's the first time I heard the terminology human resources. Uh, uh, the woman says... Um, no, she was giving, running down the benefits. I had health benefits. I had, they took 3% of your salary a, a week towards your pension plan. And she said, well, you, in order to retire, you have to have 30 years service and 65 years old. Of course, me, my dumb ass, I, I added it all up. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? I said, 30 years, 30 years from now, if I, I'll be 58 and I can't retire until I'm 65? So the woman laughed. oh, don't worry about it. We're automating the trading floor. You only got five years. This position is only open for five years. After that, you know. So what she was saying, after five years, they're going to get rid of me. Right? Well, it didn't happen. It took them 20 years to automate the American Stock Exchange trading floor. Now I'm working for Amex the American Stock Exchange, that was at that time, at that point in my life, my 15th job. I started out as a data clerk. That's what they hired me for, a data clerk. And then, I think it was like five months, six months, because I they were training me for uh, to be a reporter, which was a big promotion. Then I became a reporter, a stock reporter, on the trading floor, Working in the crowd. In those days. I don't know. if you see pictures of those days. Before the trading floor was automated. Have you seen pictures of how. Um, you stand in the middle of a crowd. And you got to get all those sales. It was hectic. They paid well. And I was very happy about that. Huh. So. Now. I also got a job. After a year working at the stock exchange. I got a job. Uh, I was in a rooming house. Then my sister, my younger sister, she had a, an apartment up in the Bronx, and it was a high-rise. And she said, well, it's a low-income um, apartment, high-rise apartment. Why don't you put an application? So I put an application, and this is before I got my promotion. I put an application, and one of the requirements, you got to make 14000 and that's what I made. I made 14000 a year at that time so I got this apartment as a reporter I made more money but I put it in the application when I was a data clerk so when I got promotion I got the apartment it was great so I can afford the rent better and I worked there I mean as I was working the stock exchange and you know how it is you know I want things as my mom said if you want things you got to go right for it and uh, I wanted a car. I did get a car by the way. I got a second hand a 1984 Lynx. This is the year that I was, 1991. 1991. I bought a 1984 Mercury Lynx. And uh I was short on cash. So I got a I got a job, a second job working maybe 3 nights a week for a look, I call it livery cab service. That's the cab service where you'll call up for a cab and i i I had a radio in the cab and i worked there i think i did it for i don't think i did it that long i don't think i did it for a year i might have did it for six months it was kind of it was kind of hectic i mean working at the stock exchange you get up at four o'clock i have to get on the train i had to be home by five which is possible even though i took two trains and a bus to get home Definitely got to be home by, by you know no later than five thirty. Get in my car. I had to be at the base no later than seven. I worked seven to twelve. Then get home at one o'clock in the morning. Then get up at seven seven a.m. in the morning. Get on the train and bus to get to to the stock exchange. At that point, the stock exchange was open from ten a.m. to four p.m. Those were my hours before they change. So it was kind of durable, Plus I was young. I was, what, 20, well, in my early 30s, mid-30s. So I was still young, did it. But I, after a while, it got tired. But that, that delivery car service was, right now, it was my 16th job. I was in my 30s, late 30s, not, or early, whatever. It was my 16th job. So... I, got, I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I told them I, I can't do it. It's just, just, just too rough. So, I mean, I am still working at Amex. And then I got a raise. They was giving out raises. Amex was giving out Christmas bonuses. It was a very good job. They were giving out Christmas bonuses. They gave out another raise. I was, so, the raise they gave the following year helped me. You know, so, I really didn't have to work at the, uh, doing the, the cab service. But I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I said, what did I say? You want things? So, 1996, I did it again. I went back. I was a little short on change. I wanted more. Just, I wanted more. And I was a little short on change. And 1996, I went to work back at the yellow cab driver. I became a yellow cab driver for the second time in my life. That would have been the 17th job. That was the 17th job I had, again. You, so, that was in 1996. Now, they changed the job situation. When I was a yellow cab driver, driver in, 19, in 1971, you drove the cab, the tips was yours, and you got 49% of what you booked that night. Well, they went on strike. I, I, they, they went on strike. I had left already before the taxi strike. So I left already. So I knew about the taxi strike, but I wasn't working there before. So now I'm back with the cab again, trying to make some extra money. And then I figured it would be easier because there was a cab uh, company in the Bronx. I didn't have to get in my car and drive all the way to Queens like I did for the, the, the delivery cab service. And I could I get off I get off at four, I hopped on the train, get home, I still had to get in my car by the way, get home and get to the uh, get in my car to drive to the, the cab thing, but it was only uh, the cab base, but it was only what a uh, fifteen minute ride, twenty minute ride. So and I had to beat it by six o'clock, by the way. And you had to keep the car out I think to eleven or to midnight. You had to. They changed the way they did the cab thing, it you had to buy, um, you had to rent rather. You rented the cab, so you paid them. I forgot how much it was. Let's say you paid them two hundred dollars to rent the cab for the night. So you had. Well, I take that back. You, you could be out as long as you want, but if you don't make your cab money, the money that you made, if you did not make twenty two hundred dollars back from renting the cab out. You're not going to return that cab until you make at least $200. So, usually, and what happened is, around midnight, you, may, you, may, you make your $200 back. Now, if you want to make money for yourself, you got to work to 6 o'clock a.m. in the morning. And that's how it was. You had to work six 6 a.m. in the morning. I don't think I did it. I think I did it on weekends because I can't imagine me doing it. And I know for a fact, I usually I remember doing it. I never made my money back until midnight and right after midnight, I had that's what whatever money I made was made for myself, and that would have been in my life of working my seventeenth job in the job field paying social security to my social security taxes. Yeah. <laughs> now, so I was still working at the American Stock Exchange. And American Stock Exchange finally. Ordinated my position. So they didn't need me. They didn't need the reporters anymore. Or data clerks. Those two positions has been phased out. So now you have to take what they call a buyout. If you didn't take a buyout, you had to be retrained to work upstairs in the office. I didn't want to work in... They had customer service. I did not want to work in customer service. So, I took a buyout. And the buyout was for me, you had to work, you had to have 20 years service and for at least 45. But you couldn't get your pension till you're 55. And you got a, a year's severance. So they gave that, which I heard, there was a the last buyout they gave and that was given in 1999. Now remember now, I started working in 1980. So I worked there 19 years. But they said that they bent the rules a little bit. They being that they gave a year severance instead of giving me my severance and one and one bunch. You know, they broke it up. I getting paid every two weeks for so they gave me a year severance every two weeks. So that made up that was the year two thousand. So even though I didn't have to work to two thousand, which I didn't, I took the two thousand. That 2,000 year. I didn't work at all. But I got my check. Every two weeks. So that's how that went. And. When I turned 55. I could take my pension. And that's how that went. And that is that. For part three. Because in part four. There's more. And then we got part five. So. If you didn't go bored to death listening to this story. Now, it's funny because somebody might say, well, anything, anything gay happened in this? There's nothing gay happened. You didn't do this. you." Well, I mean, I can't give out, you know, I, I think it's sued if I use names and, and tell what went on. Did I fool around with people at the stock exchange? Well, maybe. Did I fool around with people at the Hirsch Riddle call? Well, actually, there was I could be that I could be honest with, because I don't know if they're alive yet. They might be dead, but yes, I did. There was two guys I did fool around with on a regular basis at Hertzvika, but I'm not going to diverge. The you know who they are, and then I don't want to talk about all that because you could say I, I make myself sound like a slut, and I'm not a slut. I'm a sophisticated person. Thank you for listening to the craziness that lives inside my head.